You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you're listening, you are having a wonderful start to your Wednesday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, and the podcast to be named later all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we're going to be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. You often hear in sports, you often hear that a sporting event could be described as a roller coaster ride of emotions. Now, you know, you typically would hear that, you know, in kind of faster paced sports action, like for instance, in basketball or football, you occasionally will hear, you know, a baseball game being a roller coaster ride of emotions, but that's exactly what it was between the Diamondbacks and the Braves on Tuesday evening. One of the craziest regular season games that I can remember in recent Braves history. Lead changes, offense, early, often, late. It was who was going to get the big hits the, the, at the latest moment. And unfortunately, that's what the Diamondbacks were able to do in the top of the ninth inning after a, a very exciting night that unfortunately had a lot of miscues when it came to the Braves. If you were a fan of offense, it certainly was there. If you were a fan of fundamentals, it, it was not your cup of tea. But the end result was a 16-13 to win for the Diamondbacks over the Braves. And, and let's put, you know, this type of game into a bit of perspective in terms of how rare it has been to see in Braves franchise history. This is the first time since 2012 that both the Braves and their opponent scored 13-plus runs in a regular season game. And that game was in extra innings. You have to go back 15 years to 2008 to find the last time the Braves were involved in a nine-inning regulation game, if you will, in a nine-non-extra innings game in which the Braves and their opponent each scored 13 or more runs. But the even more eye-opening thing is this, is that since 1901, in all the games that the Braves franchise has been involved in in the regular season, this is only the seventh time since 1901 that the Braves have dropped a game, that they have lost a game in which they scored 13 or more runs. The last time the Braves lost a game in which they scored 13 or more runs was just over 33 years ago. It's almost 33 years to the date. 7 15 of 1990 was the last time that the Braves lost a game in which they scored 13 or more runs. Since 7 15 of 1990, the Braves had won 120 straight games in which they scored 13 or more runs until Tuesday night. That goes to show just how rare it is and unlikely it is that a Braves team that scores 13 runs 
we'll lose a game. But if you look at, you know, how bad the starting pitching, the bullpen, and the defense was on Tuesday night, it's not that hard to believe that the game was lost, unfortunately, just to a perfect storm of flaws and miscues that led to a 16-13 loss at the hand of the Diamondbacks. Now, before we get into the miscues themselves, you know, it was also a night of both, you know, positive regression, I guess you could say, and regression itself when it came to Austin Riley and Bryce Elder. If there's one positive to take away from this game, it absolutely is the performance of Austin Riley. I talked about Austin Riley in detail on yesterday's Daily Hammer, talking about for all the second half storylines that we can discuss, and many of those storylines, you know, showed up in this game on Tuesday night. But one of the biggest storylines to me was getting Austin Riley back to being a truly productive hitter. Even if he wasn't going to be at an MVP level, just getting him back to where he could be a reliable run producer, and he absolutely showed up on Tuesday night. Three for three at the plate, three hits, all big hits, including two home runs, overall seven RBIs, arguably the best game that Austin Riley has had offensively in his career, it was great to see at a time where the Braves really could use his bat getting going. It absolutely was on fire last night, and he did all that he could to get the job done. That's a great sight to see and certainly is relevant. This is certainly a reference point for Austin Riley to be able to come back to to hopefully get his bat going to have a much better second half of the season than he did in the first half. That's a positive to take away from Tuesday night. One of the negatives is the fact that it certainly seems as if regression itself is catching up with Bryce Elder. For the second straight start, Bryce Elder was not able to get past the fourth inning in a start and gave up seven runs while he was on the mound. Now, not all of those runs were attributed to him, but he only went three and one-third inning in the start before the All-Star break, and then in his first start in the second half of the season, he gives up seven runs, five earned runs to the Diamondbacks. Though the Braves certainly did not help him with very bad defense while he was in the game, the Diamondbacks were not fooled. They were making hard contact, batter after batter after batter against Bryce Elder, and so it certainly seems as if regression has caught up. Now, I don't think that that means that he's all of a sudden going to pitch himself out of the rotation or that he's going to give up seven runs every time that he goes out to the mound. But there certainly needs to be some adjustments made to his approach. Because again, and it, they're pretty good teams that he's faced in the Rays and the Diamondbacks, it is a bit eye-opening that Bryce Elder has been hit this hard in back-to-back -back starts. But of course, it wasn't just the starting pitching. That contributed to one of, the more, one of the more disappointing losses on the season for the Braves. The Braves' defense had had arguably its worst performance of the season, perhaps its worst performance in years when you consider how many runs the Diamondbacks scored off the Braves' errors, just how costly multiple errors were for the Braves on Tuesday night. It was just a horrific performance from the defense that you don't see often. And Tuesday night was also a reminder that, you know, over the, you know, next, you know, several days and potentially weeks, this Braves bullpen does not have the same upside that it had when it was fully healthy or near full health over the past month and a half. There is a lot of talent that currently right now is unavailable to this Braves bullpen due to injuries. And as a result, the bullpen may be more prone to struggling a bit more often than they have, you know, in June and for much of July so far. So it was just a perfect storm of several different aspects 
of the game just not going in the Braves' favor, just performing horribly. Bad starting pitching, horrific defense, and a night of struggles for the bullpen. It was just a perfect storm of miscues that cost the Braves a clearly winnable game. So then the question arises, what relevance does this loss have? How significant of a loss is this? If it's a perfect storm of miscues occurring that you don't expect to happen often for a team as good as the Braves are, it may just be easy to write this game off and move forward. And, and I'm sure that's what the team's going to do. You know, again, it's just one loss and so many negative things occurred, you just are not going to expect for that many things to occur in one game often. Maybe a few times a year, but clearly not often. So keeping the perspective of it's just one game, let's move forward, that seems to be a pretty logical approach to things. But on the other hand, I think that it is relevant when you broaden your focus just a bit. And the fact that Tuesday night was a continuation of a four-game stretch now in the second half of the season where the Braves have lost three out of four games. You could go back to the last game of the first half of the season, but I think that was just the team just was not as focused as it, you know, had been. You know, they were playing the Rays. They'd already won the series. They were ready to get to the All-Star break. We'll just consider the fact that that was, was a scheduled loss due to the Braves just ready for the All-Star break. I think that's a perfect explanation for the last game of the first half of the season. But this three out of four game stretch... Sure, you're going to have these, you know, multiple times in a season, even as good, even for a team as good as the Braves. But I think that it's very, very relevant that what showed up as costing the Braves on Tuesday night, bad defense, bad starting pitching, and bullpen struggles, all three of those factors have shown up multiple times since the second, second half of the season started. All three of those factors have contributed to the Braves' three losses multiple times. For instance, you go back to Saturday and now Tuesday, the Braves lost clearly winnable games due to bad defense. And yes, you're going to have stretches like this. But the big key is, is that you don't want for this type of stretch to occur once the playoffs begin. So I think that while in the in a vacuum, this is just one loss that the team will clearly move on from, I do think that it is relevant because it continues to stretch a play where the Braves are clearly gaining proof that their flaws can still be to a level that they can beat themselves even if their offense is performing well. So from that perspective, this definitely is relevant. But here's the big key overall. The Braves still have time to make the needed adjustments to be able to be fine moving forward. I talked about it, you know, in late May. I talked about the fact that the Braves had a pretty easy schedule coming up in June where they can make some adjustments, especially when it came to facing right-handed pitching, for them to get back going at the level we all knew they were capable of playing. And look what happened, a historic month of June. This team does have weaknesses. Defense is a weakness of this team. And inconsistent pitching due to injuries is right now a weakness of this team. But in time, the Braves are going to get more talented arms back as we get into July, August, and September. That will help out the consistency of the pitching. You also will see the Braves potentially be able to make adjustments to their defense to where it'll be a bit more consistent as time goes on as well. And the big thing to also remember is that we have the trade deadline coming up. And while major moves may not be expected, there is no better front office in baseball right now 
There's no better front office in recent years that has done as effective as a job as the Braves of shoring up weaknesses for the home stretch of the season and the playoffs than the Braves have done. Go back to 2019, where multiple bullpen moves basically took the Braves from one of the worst to one of the best bullpens in baseball overnight. Go back to 2021, when Atlanta had to put together a whole new outfield, basically, for the home stretch in the playoffs, and almost every piece that they got at the trade deadline in 2021 played a big role in them winning the World Series in two, that year. So the Braves have multiple avenues in which they can, in time, shore up these weaknesses to where they don't have this level of impact over a multi-game stretch. Again, you're going to be prone to these type of things, but the Braves can make adjustments as time goes on to minimize the chance of a stretch such as this happening in the playoffs. But again, while Tuesday night was a bit disappointing on the field, there are some things to look forward to. Again, the positive play of Austin Riley, but also the news that the Braves extended one of the most beloved members of their team for another year. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. In Atlanta. So a few significant occurrences happened off the field on Tuesday before the Braves started their series against Arizona on Tuesday night. For one, early in the day on Tuesday, it was announced that after coming out of the game early on Sunday against the White Sox, starting pitcher Kobe Allard unfortunately experienced a, a left shoulder nerve inflammation injury. There was he definitely experienced what, what Brian Snicker kind of described as some weird feelings in his shoulder while on the mound performing on Sunday, and it winds up that he is experiencing you know some 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 nerve discomfort when it comes to his left shoulder, and he was placed on the 60-day injured list on Tuesday morning. Over the past week, the Braves have now placed Nick Anderson and Colby Allard on the 60-day injured list, as well as A.J. Minter on the 15-day injured list due to shoulder issues. But especially for Colby Allard, it's a bit disappointing. You know, this being his second time with the Braves franchise, he's been limited so far in his career due to injuries. You had to think that especially with, you know, open opportunities in the rotation and the fact that he, you know, had had come into the second half of the season with the chance to maybe stick in the rotation for a little bit, you have to feel bad for Colby Allard, who once again is basically look, losing the, you know, overwhelming majority of a season to injury. We'll see if he can, hopefully he'll be able to, you know, recover in short order and maybe he can contribute in some way or form as the season progresses, but definitely hope that he makes a speedy recovery from this shoulder ailment. As, as a result of Colby Aller going on the 60-day injured list, the Braves called up, they purchased the contract of outfielder Forrest Wall. Now, if Forrest Wall is a name that sounds familiar, it definitely should from the exciting style of play that Braves country got to experience Forrest Wall performing at in spring training. We talk about how good Ronald Acuna Jr. is at stealing bases. Well, speed is the name of the game for Forrest Wall. 
For Gwinnett, he is 45 of 49 on the base pass in terms of stealing bases, and he's also fully capable of playing all three outfield positions. Now, the reason why the Braves went ahead and brought up Forrest Wall, at least at this point in time, instead of replacing Allard with the pitcher, is because the Braves needed a bit of outfield depth. We all know that Eddie Rosario unfortunately experienced a hamstring injury on Saturday, so Sam Hilliard was starting against right-handers until Eddie Rosario was once again good to go. Well, then on Tuesday night, Sam Hilliard exited the game early due to an injury. So you have to hope that both Hilliard and Rosario are going to heal quickly because as of right now, the Braves' outfield death consists of Kevin Pillar and now Forrest Wall. So Wall may get, you know, a, a, a bigger-than-expected role initially coming to the major leagues, and we may see his major league debut. And if we do, don't change that channel if he gets on base because he can offer a very exciting style of play that even could be relevant for him being a part of a postseason uh, post um, roster as the speed off the bench that can be used in certain situations. So Colby Allard to the 60-day injured list. The contract of Forrest Wall was purchased as a bit of outfield depth, at least for the near future. The other major news that happened off the field on Tuesday was the announcement that the Braves, once again, have extended catcher Travis Darno coming into this year. Darno was playing on an eight-year contract, and his 2024 contract was a team option, basically. Well, the Braves basically extended that another year. They signed him to a one-year, $8 million extension. I believe that this is, it's going to be now the third straight year, maybe the fourth straight year. 2024, I actually believe, will be the fourth straight year that Travis Darno will have a, an expected salary of $8 million. He didn't make it in 2020. But the Braves have made it a habit of extending Darno for one year and $8 million for multiple years now. So now he's guaranteed one year and $8 million in 2024, and then he has another team option for 2025. Now, with the investment that the Braves made in Sean Murphy and the fact that they extended him, it may seem a bit odd that the Braves are paying so much to what basically is their backup catcher. But Alex Anthopoulos came out and, and, and absolutely nailed the reason why he was so adamant about extending Travis Darno. It's clear Travis Darno loves being in Atlanta. It's clear Alex Anthopoulos and the team love having Travis Darno in Atlanta. When you talk about these teams that consistently win, a lot of times it's because there's one or two guys, one or two veterans who just clearly are the glue of the clubhouse, who clearly are the most likable of the clubhouse, the leaders of the clubhouse, those guys that add value outside of the box score. Travis Darno is clearly one of those guys in this Braves locker room. As Alex Anthopoulos mentioned, it seems like he's beloved by everybody, so it was a no-brainer to keep him around for what likely will be at least another two years. And though it may seem odd that the Braves are investing so much in a backup catcher when they arguably have the best catcher in baseball, Right now in Sean Murphy, having this much investment and this much talent in the catcher position, again, it's a central hub that impacts so many other parts of the game. It helps the starting pitching. It keeps both of your catchers fresh as the season goes along, and that allows for the Braves to have two talented bats in the postseason that they can utilize in different matchups. So a no-brainer extension for Travis Darno. Great news that he is going to remain in Atlanta, and so his contract is guaranteed for $8 million in 2024 with a team option 
for 2025. But we could talk about all about what's to come in the next days, weeks, years, what have you. The biggest thing of all is for the Braves to bounce back. Again, a calling card of this Braves team has been their resiliency. And there's no better arm right now. There's no better pitcher on this Braves staff to give the chance for the Braves to bounce back than Charlie Morton. The bullpen has been used quite a bit over the past few games. The starting pitching has struggled quite a bit over the past few games. The Braves need a solid six to seven inning performance from one of their starters to really right the ship. And there's no better option right now than Charlie Morton. Morton has won his last five starts for the Braves. And in the month of July, he's only allowed one run, seven innings of shutout ball against the White Sox last Friday night. The Braves need for Charlie Morton to be in ace mode and to be a stopper. And if he can do that, it will be an absolute blessing for this Braves team. And you have to feel comfortable that he'll be able to find a way to get that done, even if it's just a quality start. If the Braves' offense can perform at the level that it's capable of, Charlie Morton should be able to give the performance that this Braves team needs to get a needed win and move forward and pass this tough stretch of baseball. So yes, a disappointing night, but there were some good things off the field to definitely look forward to in terms of Travis Darno's extension. The performance of Austin Riley will hopefully get him going, and Charlie Morton getting on the mound will give the Braves staff a reference point to get the starting pitching going back good and hopefully give the bullpen a little bit of rest so they'll be more fresh in days to come. Of course, we'll have you covered here on the Daily Hammer, part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. Make sure you check out all the great podcast content at batterypower.com, at Battery Power SBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Until next time, go Braves. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.